0: May God speak to you through today's message from Pastor Adam Jungblut. Well, good morning. Glad y'all are here this morning. I'm glad you are here because we are wrapping up our Say What series and it's been absolutely fantastic. Also I want to welcome our North Campus to watch and being video. I miss you guys, I will see y'all next week. Now in this series, Say What, we've been taking a look at a biblical look at the power of our words because what we say carries an extreme amount of power. We've taken a look at the importance of our words, the weight that they carry and the impact that they can have. We've taken a look at how to heal from hurtful words that have been spoken to us. We've taken a look at who God says we are in the words that he spoke over us so that we can make sure that we have a healthy, truthful identity of who we are in Christ. But today we're gonna take a look at our words when potentially they mean the most, when the tensions are the highest, when the emotions are rearing, frustrations are building up. It's when we are in a conflict. Now today, I want us to specifically look at our words that we use when a conflict is building, when a conflict's on the horizon. Not when we are in a full-blown fight and argument and conflict. At that point, walk away. Just absolutely walk away. Today I want us to look at our words that lead up to that point. And maybe we can remove some of the conflict. Definitely avoid a fight. Now I do wanna throw this in there. If the conflict that you experience is because of a verbal abuse, physical abuse, substance abuse, or any other addiction, this sermon is not going to solve that for you. It it might help a little bit, but I would encourage you to get professional help. Today what we're gonna be talking about is just the conflicts that we experience on a day in, day out basis with the majority of those in our lives, the majority of conflict that we have with people, if yours is a very specific and severe issue like that, I would encourage you to get professional help. The goal of today is to talk about our words leading up to conflict and just our everyday situations. Now, I've shared this story before uh, here at church. If you've heard it before, uh, well, you're welcome. It's a fantastic story. If you've never heard it, you're in for a treat. It was Easter of 2011. We had recently moved into the house where we're currently living, and we decided that for Easter weekend, the weather was gonna be gorgeous, we were gonna have a family work in the yard day. One of the gardens on the side of the house had been covered with white rocks instead of mulch. Every other flower bed had mulch, but this one covered in white rocks. So we decided, you know what, let's go. We're gonna remove all of the rocks from it and we're gonna fill it in with mulch. So in typical Jungblood family style, Robin took the kids out the day before and they, everybody got brand new gloves to work in the garden, water bottles. I mean, we were set for a fun family day. We get out, we start working. Even Lily, who was about three at the time, she was working, she was driving our little John Deere motorized car around emptying rocks on the driveway. And so everybody is working except for Avery. Avery was super excited about her new gloves. If you knew Avery, that's how she is. She looks good at all times. And she didn't want them to get dirty. And she really didn't want to sweat. So hey Avery, I need need, need you to get in and work with us. Hey Avery, can you jump on down here, babe? Hey look, the whole family's working. Hey Avery, can you help? Hey Avery, I I need you to get in and help. Every time Avery was about to get in and help, she needed a drink of water or she was running to get something else. Hey, Avery, I, I, I really need you to help. Avery, I need, you, I, I, need, I need you to pitch in. I can feel my emotions rising. I'm getting frustrated. I'm sure Robin could feel that I'm getting frustrated. Avery, hey, come on, babe. Like, everybody, I just you know, come right alongside of here. And then I just kinda lost it. Avery, I need you to move some freaking rocks. My head hung, way to go, super dad. Blew it, raised my voice, and then I felt this little hand on my shoulder. And Avery says, Daddy, which ones are the freakin' Rocks? <laughs> yeah, I know, well played, Avery. So we go over to a side, Avery, these are the freakin' Rocks, right here. Avery jumped right on in. Right on in, started pulling them, started working. About 20, 30 minutes later, she came up to me and said, Daddy, I finished moving all the freaking rocks. (laughs) Gosh. Yeah, conversation later that night, Robin was telling me, hey, way to go on that one. I was like, I know, I know, I know. She was like, yeah, I can just see her at school the next day, Uh, I I need some freaking crayons. Uh, I need to use the freaking restroom. I was like, gosh, as I look back at that fantastically awful parenting moment, the moment that I lost was when I felt my emotions rising up. The frustration level was coming, and I forgot how powerful my words were. I forgot that words can hurt and damage. I forgot that she was a fragile six-year-old and they flew. That was the moment that I lost. That's the moment that we're talking about today. Now like it's funny when it's kind of a family gardening story, but it brings a lot more significance than when you take that same scenario, that same situation, and you apply it to a marriage that's already struggling. When you apply that same idea, and that same situation, and emotions, and a relationship with parents, And kids, when teenage years are hitting and emotions are high as they are. When you take that scenario and you put it in relationships of extended family and maybe there's already years of hurt that are present and when a conflict arises, that's when our words are so powerful and we have to be careful even more. Because what we say carries an extreme amount of weight. And i like, we've all been there. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Not only have you been on the receiving end when somebody else loses it and throws out those words, but you've been the one to do it. We've all done it. We all know exactly what that's like. I don't want you to think about a conflict. Think about a conflict. Think about a conflict, recent one. Recent one, recent, may, may, maybe a couple of weeks, recent, you know, maybe in the past year. Think of the scenario. How did it start? What was the beginning of it? What was the disagreement over? Think about the feelings, think about the emotions, and then think about the moment it went from just a disagreement to differing opinions to a conflict. Maybe it escalated after that. Think about the harsh words that were spoken. Think about the hurt that came because of it. Picture the other person, picture the environment. It's that moment when it went from a disagreement into a conflict that we're gonna work on today. It's in that moment, maybe it could have been saved. Not a guarantee, but maybe. But if there's one thing we've learned is that our words are powerful enough, maybe we couldn't have saved the conflict, but we could have definitely avoided a fight. That's what we're gonna look at today. So if you haven't gotten your sermon notes out yet, go ahead and do so, because <clears throat> there's two kind of overarching ideas about conflict that I want us to look at before we jump in. Just a couple of things that I need to understand about conflict, so that we can be on the same page before we get into details of those conversations. Here's the first one. You've got to understand all conflict starts in my heart. All conflict starts in my heart. James, in chapter four, verses one through three, he puts it this way. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? I want you to underline your desires that battle within you. This is crucial. You desire, but you don't have, so you kill. You covet. But you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. See, so here's the thing. If you think that conflict begins when there's a disagreement with you and somebody else, you, my friend, would be wrong. James is telling us, where do quarrels and fights start among you? Well, they begin with desires that battle within you. Now this is crucial for us to understand. You see, if you just think that conflicts are just between you and another person, and you don't realize that conflicts are here, you're always gonna be in conflict. Because what James is telling us is that conflicts that we experience externally are simply mirroring a conflict that is going on inside of us. Desires that battle within us. So what desires? is James talking about? What desires is he talking about? Specifically, he's talking about the desires of being a Christ follower and following after Christ and our sinful nature. So let me set the stage for you. When you become a Christ follower, when you commit your life to following Jesus Christ and make him your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit is literally deposited inside of you. The Holy Spirit's deposited inside of you, and at that moment, your sinful nature doesn't disappear. You just have the ability to overcome it. I mean, think about it. You make mistakes. You've always made mistakes. I have always made mistakes. i made mistakes before I was a Christ follower. I make mistakes after I was a Christ follower. It's those mistakes that the Bible calls sin that prevent us from having a relationship with God. It's, remember, there was, we never felt there was victory. You never felt there was any hope. But when you became a Christ follower, all of a sudden you were given the tools to overcome those sinful desires, that right versus wrong inside of us. Look, are you going to stop sinning when you become a Christ follower? No. But now you have the ability to overcome it with the promise that when you fail and you make mistakes and you sin, you're already forgiven. But we desire to follow Christ, that's what we want. And so we have this battle going on inside of us between following Christ and our sinful nature, our sinful desire. Those two desires that are inside of us battle with one another. And so the conflicts that we experience in our relationships with other people mirror the conflict that we're experiencing inside. If you are going through a season in your life right now where you feel like you are in conflict with every relationship that you have, the problem is probably not with every person that you're in relationship with. It's probably something inside of here. The conflict and the battle inside of you is probably a little bit stronger than what you can handle. You have to understand that conflict starts in my heart. Right, what's the other thing? What's the other bedrock that we gotta know about conflict before we get into the details? Well, here's a second. View conflict as an opportunity to restore unity. View conflict as an opportunity to restore unity. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. You need to change your view of conflict. Conflict in and of itself is not a bad thing, but yet that's often how you view it. You often view it as you've got conflict and so you run away from it. You've got conflict so you avoid it. No, at its basic level, let's just look at conflict. All conflict is, is a disagreement between two people. Somebody's on one page and somebody else is on the other. That's it. That is all at the basic level what a conflict is. You're on one page and somebody else is on another. What Paul is telling us here is that be in agreement with one another so there may be no divisions. You see, the idea that Paul is telling them, Paul is telling them as a church, here's what you've gotta do. Every time there is conflict, it is revealing a division in your relationships. Every time a division comes up, you gotta take care of it. Every time that you're in conflict with somebody, all it is is a sign as you're on one page and they're on another. You are in division. If you're in division, Paul is saying, look, you cannot be perfectly united in mind and thought. You can't if there are divisions. So agree with everybody. If you view conflict as an opportunity, as an opportunity and not something to run away from, if you view it as an opportunity to restore unity, what you're going to find is that you will begin to have less conflict in your life. Look, Avery and I, we were on different pages. I wanted family, work hard in the yard day. Avery wanted to check out my new gloves. We were in conflict. We were just on different pages. That's it. That's all it was. There was a division among us. We were not in perfect unity. Paul is saying, make sure that doesn't happen. When there is conflict, you're on different pages. Use conflict as an opportunity to restore unity. Now, If you've read any marriage book, you will find that they all say that finances are the number one source of arguments and disagreements, and the reason they know that is because they're married. (laughs) When you have an argument over finances in your marriage, all it shows is that you're on different pages. That's it. You're on different pages. And when you're on different pages and you're not in agreement, the table is set for conflict. Let's say, for example, an additional $500 rolls into your family. You're thinking, how can there be conflict over an additional $500? Oh, trust me, there will be. Because if you're not on the same page with spending, table is set, remember, for conflict. One person in the relationship wants to go spend it because there's a couple of things that need to be purchased in the house, and the other person wants to save it. There's a division. You're not on the same page, now there's conflict. The conversation, can be let's focus on restoring unity and get on the same page, or it can go the ways of, well you're irresponsible with your money, you don't wanna save, all you wanna do is just spend it, I'm trying to think of the future, and a fight is on. Over 500 extra dollars! Look, you've got to be on the same page. All conflict is. It is showing you where there are divisions, and if you view it as an opportunity to restore unity, you're going to have less conflict. Now look, issues are gonna come up, because maybe for spending, somebody wants to spend it one way, somebody wants to spend it another, but you're starting on the same page. You're starting together. I mean, what would it be like if in all your relationships you are on the same page with everybody? If you're on the same page with everybody that you work with, everybody in the office shows up and everybody's on the same page together, what would that do? What would it look like if you and your boss and your coworkers were on the same page? What would it look like if you and your spouse were on the same page? Your parents are on the same page. You and your kids are on the same page. What would that begin to look like? I mean, think about it in your marriage. You'd be on the same page with your scheduling, how you raise kids, your finances, number of date nights, how to handle in-laws, amount of sex you're gonna have each week. Look, if you're on the same page with that, all of a sudden your marriage sure did get a lot better. And you're on the same page. That's the idea. Okay, so those are the two things that we gotta understand about conflict. So now let's get into the details. When conflict begins to arise, how do I use my words to avoid a fight? Well, here's the first one. Number one, don't talk, listen intently. James 1.19, says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. Underline those six words for me. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. One of my hobbies that I have, I, I love to hunt. It's just, it's a lot of fun, um, I enjoy it, I love going into nature, I'm, it's something that I enjoy doing. I got a chance to do it with my dad, do it with my father-in-law, it's something that I wanna pass on and do with my kids. But when I come home from a hunting trip and I bring my guns back into the house, I always have this fear. I bring my guns in the house and I have this fear of what if something horrible happens? What, what, what if one of the kids gets a hold of one of my guns? What if something falls? What, it's just that horrible scenario of a very much a worst case scenario. And it scares me. So here's what I do. I take my guns and my ammo and I store them in two completely different locations. And then, not only do I lock both of them up, when I go to lock my guns up, I don't just put them on safety, I literally take apart the gun. I remove the bolt, I remove the firing pin, I remove the trigger, I remove everything I possibly can from the gun. So it is literally impossible to fire. And if that's all taken care of, I know that it is impossible for a worst case scenario to happen. When you are in a conflict, do you wanna know the best way to make sure it is impossible for your words to hurt and to fly out of your mouth? Shut your mouth. Stop talking. No, stop talking. Stop. Stop. stop talking. Done. It's impossible for your words to hurt somebody else if your mouth is sealed shut. Shut your mouth. Problem solved. You're not gonna hurt people with your words. It's true. But what do you do? Look, James says listen. But not just listen, you have to listen intently. Because there's a couple of cues that you're listening for. You're listening for where is the division? Where, is, where are you and what page are they on? Why is this so important to them? Where are their hurt feelings? You have to be listening for cues. Because how are you gonna get on the same page? What's gonna be a win-win? Is this the issue they're upset about or maybe is it another issue, something else? You've got to be listening telling you cannot be listening thinking, ooh, what's my rebuttal gonna be for that next, you know, comment? No, no. View conflict as an opportunity to restore unity. How do you restore unity? You have to listen. You have to listen. If you're not listening, there is no way you will know how to restore unity. But after you've listened for a while and you know these cues, you're gonna have to talk. You're gonna have to talk. So number two, speak gently. Speak gently. Proverbs 15, verse one. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. It works, y'all all jumped. Totally, it works. Harsh words stirs up anger. It's absolutely true. Harsh words stir up anger. Gentle answers turn away wrath. Now get this. If you're listening intently, if you're listening intently, you have shut your mouth. Now it's your turn to talk. You're viewing conflict as an opportunity to restore unity. When you go to talk, gentle voice. Because a gentle voice turns away wrath. Think about it for a second. Can you have unity in a relationship where wrath is present? No, it's impossible. You cannot have perfect unity that Paul's talking about in Corinthians. United in mind and thought if wrath is present in your relationship. A gentle answer turns away wrath. That's the goal, you have to turn away wrath. When wrath is coming towards you, when wrath is becoming present in this conflict, a disagreement that's leading to conflict, that's leading to fight, you have to turn wrath away. You gentle tone works. Lower your voice. You know how hard it is to say something hurtful when you're speaking like this? You know how hard it is to get in a full blown yelling argument when this is the tone that you take? If this is your attitude, when you enter into a conflict, it's very easy to turn away wrath. Even if the other person doesn't want to. Even if that other person is screaming and yelling and in their mind it's a full blown fight. If you're standing here, all you're doing is turning away wrath, turn away wrath, turn away wrath you are making sure that unity is still an option. But if you go to harsh words, and they're spewing wrath, and you're spewing wrath, how realistic is unity gonna be? I mean, let's just be honest about it, it's it's really not. You listen intently, you speak gently, and here's number three. To the best of my ability, restore peace. To the best of my ability, Restore peace. Matthew 5, 9. says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. I want you to underline peacemakers and children of God for me. Peacemakers and children of God. Now, I put to the best of my ability because the reality is if the other person does not want to restore peace, whoever you're in a conflict with or a disagreement with, if they don't want to restore peace, it's gonna be very hard for you to fully restore peace but you have to do everything that you possibly can. Now, remember back from earlier in this message, if your conflict is dealing with verbal or physical abuse or substance abuse or some kind of an addiction, I am not telling you to enter back into that relationship. I would encourage you to leave, to separate, to get away. I do not want more harmful words and actions to be placed on top of you. We spent all of last week learning how to heal from that. Please get professional. Help, to the best of your ability, restore peace. Ask for forgiveness, offer forgiveness. In all humility, do everything you possibly can to restore peace. All right, I'm gonna give you an illustration for a second, just kinda follow me with this one. I have the utmost respect and honor for the men and women in our armed forces. If you have served or currently serving, I am in awe of your sacrifice, of your dedication, of your priorities. The training is literally the best in the world. I have so much respect for them. They are so good at everything they do, following it through to protection. That's why we live in the greatest country in the world. So, got that for a moment? Okay, think about that. Now let's say, that we're out in this community somewhere in public and gunfire goes off. Gunfire goes off, shots are fired. Me, I'm grabbing my family and running away. You, good luck, grab your family, get out of the way. I got my family gone. In that very same scenario though, men and women that serve in our armed forces are trained to run toward gunfire. Think about that for a second. That sounds crazy to me. But they have been trained and they know exactly how to get to a situation where shots are being fired so that they can defuse it as fast as possible and save as many lives as possible. I mean think about that for a second. Our armed forces are trained to run toward gunfire. I am not trained that way. It is absolutely crazy for me to think about that. I hear guns, I'm grabbing my kids and I'm gone. But when there comes to conflict in relationships that we have, Jesus says in Matthew 5, 9, that we are to be peacemakers because we're children of God. Last week we talked about who we are in Christ and one of them was we are children of God because of John 1.12, because of our relationship with him, we are children of God and because we are children of God, we are to be peacemakers. It's not something that we're asked to do because it's nice, it's because it's what Jesus Christ did. Look in a church this size, you know exactly what it means, a handful of you, to not be at peace with God because you're not at peace with him right now. You know exactly what it means, you know exactly what it feels like because you feel that there is no peace between you and God. It's hard to express, but you know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, because of our sin nature, we're imperfect and God is perfect and it's impossible for us to have a relationship with God because Well, he's perfect and we're not. We're not at peace with him because of the mistakes that we make. But he was not okay with that. In his infinite love for us, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect life, to be at complete peace with God. And then he took the punishment for all of our mistakes. He took the punishment for us not being at peace with God by dying on a cross. And then three days later he rose again in conquering of sin and death and made a way for us to have peace with God. We would commit to follow Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. All of our sins are forgiven, we are completely slate, wiped, clean, and we are at peace with God. Nothing that we do but everything that Jesus Christ did. As Christ followers, we understand perfectly what it means to be peacemaker, because we are children of God and Jesus Christ made peace for us. And as Christ followers, we are told to run to conflict and be peacemakers. Just like our fine men and women of the military are trained to run to conflict when gunshots are going off, we are trained to run to conflict in relationships because we know what it's like to make peace because it's what Jesus Christ did for us and our relationship with God. Do not be a peace faker You are a child of God, be a peacemaker. Make peace in your relationships that you have. You have to have a healthy view of conflict. You have to learn to listen intently, speak gently and restore peace because it's what Jesus Christ did for you. And because of the relationship you have with him, out of the gratitude of his life being poured out for you and making peace with God, you are to make peace with others to the best of your ability. So in areas that you have conflict, be a peacemaker and run toward that conflict because those divisions are keeping you from having unity. When you see conflict in other people, when you see conflict in your small group, when you see conflict in your family, you are to run to that conflict. You are to help walk them through it, show them how to make peace because it's what Christ did for you. Our words carry an extreme amount of power and if you're ready to use your words in a way that brings peace in a moment of conflict, I want you to get your connection card out right now, and let's take some next steps together. Here's this first one. I will examine my sinful desires in order to lessen the conflict in my heart. Look, would you make the choice this week to examine your sinful desires, your sin nature, to lessen the conflict that you have in your life? Number two. I will view conflict as an opportunity and not something to run away from. Would you make the choice to view conflict as an opportunity to restore unity and not something to run away? Do not run from conflict. Look, It is an opportunity for you to remove divisions so you can be in perfect unity with those in your life. Number three, I will memorize James 1.19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. What a great memory verse, not just for today's message, but for this whole series. When you feel those emotions rising up inside of you, it's a great verse to pull out. Number four, instead of raising my voice, I will intentionally lower my tone in an attempt to ease situations. Would you make the conscious decision to lower your tone and speak gently? gentle answer turns away wrath. Number five, to the best of my ability, I will restore peace in times of conflict. Look, be a peacemaker because of what Jesus Christ did for you and your life. Best of your abilities, restore peace. And number six, I will pray the prayer to become a Christ follower today for the first time in my life. Look, if that's you, if that's you, I would love for today to be the day that you make peace with God. By accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and pledging your life to follow him. Look, like there's a sample prayer at the bottom of your sermon notes on the back. Like, I'm going to give you some time in just a couple of moments. If that's you, I want you to put a check right next to that number and pray that prayer to yourself. If that's you, congratulations. I'm so excited for the decision that you made. We'd love to follow up with you this week, so be sure your name and email address and phone numbers are on the front of your connection cards. We'd love to follow up. But right now, no matter what next step you want to take, I want to give all of us a chance to pray and ask God for the strength, to follow through with next steps this week. So would you bow your head and pray silently with me for the next few moments? Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you right now and we say thank you. Thank you, God, that you sent your one and only son to die on a cross for our sins. God, so that we may have peace with you. God, it is out of the overflow of our gratitude and our love and our desire to follow you. God, that we want to be peacemakers in all of the relationships that we have. So Lord, would you help us to view conflict the right way, the way that you desire it, is to be a tool for us to use to get on the same page, to remove divisions in our life. God, so that in the name of Jesus Christ, we can be in an agreement and have perfect unity in mind and in thought with those in our lives. Lord, would you make us the kind of church, God, that fights to remove conflict, that we be the kind of church that runs to conflict and we resolve it quickly, God, in the way that you have planned through your word. God, that it would be an instrument that we can use to reach this community for you. So Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus Christ, would you go with us this week in strength and power as we desire to follow you in all aspects of our lives. We love you. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.